take your Bibles and turn to Titus chapter 2. Go ahead and read the first part of chapter 2. It says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and charity and patience. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed of having no evil thing to say unto you. Notice here in this passage how the Apostle Paul is telling uh, Titus to speak different things to different groups of people. How he starts out with the aged men. Here's some things I want you to tell the aged men. And then he gets to the aged women. You know, that they be in good behavior. And notice that he mentioned to them, to the aged women, not to be false accusers. Now, does that mean that aged men can be false accusers? Because, I mean, why didn't Paul say that to the aged men? He said it to the aged women. So, ladies, you aren't all, you know, especially you older ladies, you're not allowed to be false accusers with us men. It's open season, right? It's fair game. We can trash whoever we want. Is that what he's doing right here? No, but you notice how with each group, he's kind of focusing on specific things because did you know that certain groups, demographics, however you want to look at it, typically struggle with certain things. They are more likely to commit certain sins than other groups. And what I want to do, I want to kind of use an illustration, something that we all understand, something we all know what's going on. Of course, we all know about COVID-19, and we all know a lot about the high-risk people, right? And so we've got this disease that's out there, we've got this pandemic that, you know, for a lot of people, frankly, it's just not really that dangerous. You know, for a lot of people, you know, they're getting it. There's no major symptoms. There's no major problems. Some people have it and don't even realize they have it. But there are certain groups that are in great danger. And so, you know, if they get it, they're much more likely to, you know, suffer and die from it. And so if you are somebody, they're telling you, if you're somebody, you're in that high risk, you know, you need to take greater precautions. Now, again, when it comes to COVID-19, now just understand right now this isn't about COVID-19, so I'm just going to, you know, say what the, you know, common thing is about it, and you can argue about that later whether it's true or not. But, you know, when it comes to COVID-19, people who are not in the high-risk categories have gotten it and gotten really sick and died from what the news media is telling me, all right? So, and the thing is, you know, so it, it but statistically, it's still not that big of a danger for certain groups. But at the same time, too, even though I'm not in the high-risk category, even though I'm in a category that if I get it, it won't be that big of a problem, I would prefer not to get it. I prefer not to have it. And it's the same thing, too, with sin. Okay, when it comes, Sin is sin for everybody, no matter who you are. But if you are in, if you are in certain demographics, if you are a certain gender, if you are a certain age, if you are of a certain marital status, there are some things that are more likely to be a problem for you than for other people. And so it's important 
that if there's something out there that the devil is trying to use in a big way and is successfully destroying people, if you're someone who's in one of those high-risk categories when it comes to that sin, you should probably be really careful. Now, again, if you're not in that high-risk category, we ought to view sin as sin and say, you know, even though this probably won't destroy me, I'm going to stay away from it because... You know, I don't want to take any chances because it could get any of us. So what I want to do in this message today, we're going to just show examples in the Bible of how different groups are usually warned about different sins because they are more likely to commit these sins. And we're going to look at a bunch of different examples. This is not going to be an exhaustive study on this subject. But hopefully what I want you to get out of this is to hopefully help you identify yourself as to what kind of high-risk groups you're in. What sins are greater danger to you? That way you can take precautions. You can take those extra precautions, just like some people are like, you know what, I'm in the high-risk category for this thing. I'm taking the extra precautions when it comes to the pandemic. You know, and, and you know, that's fine. You know, that's wise for them to do that. And there's some things that some of you, depending on who you are, where you're at in life, there's certain things you should be taking major precautions on and really watching out for. So we see this type of thing a lot in the Bible. So turn over to 1 Timothy 5, verse, uh, verse 9. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 9. So, you know, we're not going to go through Titus again, but there in Titus, you saw the different groups addressed, different exhortations to each of those groups because these were things they were more likely to struggle with. And so for, we're going to start out looking at some things that ladies. All right, women typically struggle with. All right, why women? Oh, ladies first. All right, and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna start out with women. We're, don't we're gonna get to men? And you know what? we're gonna get to pastors too. I'm gonna show you some things that I am high risk of as a pastor that you all need to be watching for. So don't worry, I'm gonna get myself today too. So it, you're not alone. But verse nine it says, "Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old." having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse. For when they shall have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. Now notice here, he's talking about bringing widows into the church and the church providing for them and taking care of them. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but this, when the Bible, too, when this passage talks about if you don't provide for your own, especially for the own of your own house, you've denied the faith and worse than infidel, the context of that, it's not the dad providing for his wife and kids, but it's that person who has a mother or a grandmother who is like out on the streets. And if they're not taking care of I me, mean, if, if my mom, if I was just going to let my mom, if my dad died and she's not able to provide, doesn't have any money, I'm not letting my mom live out on the streets. Okay? If I did, I'm a pretty sorry person, aren't I? But sometimes there were widows who didn't have any family. They didn't have children or nephews or grandchildren, as it mentions in, in, in here. And so the church would take them in and they would kind of be servants in the church. They would help in the church. And so, you know, an example of that, you know, well, you know let's take Miss Hazel, right? So she's, you know, elderly, all right? Not, not real elderly, right? But, you know, she, she's up there a little bit. 
but uh, at the same time, too, you know, and thankfully she's taken care of. She's got a home, and, you know, she's not out living on the streets, all right? You know, she was, she was taken care of. She's all good, all right? But let's just suppose she wasn't. Let's suppose she had nothing, and nobody would take care of her. She would fit, you know, qualifications of one that we could bring in and take care of because, I mean, she's got a pattern of good work. She's been faithful. I mean, talking about washing the saints' feet and things like that, I mean, she's been for, you know, years, you know, just knitting things for people and making hats for cancer patients. I mean, she's, she's got a pattern of good works going for her. She's not been an idle, tattling, busybody in the church. I mean, you know, she, she's, a, she's a good example of that here. So, we'd be, you know, we could do that. But it says the younger widows refuse. You know, now why is it? Well, because, you know, people in Miss Hazel's demographic, all right, people like her typically, you know, if they have her background, don't do a lot of the stuff that it's about to talk about. Now, they can. It's possible. Okay? It's possible tomorrow she could turn into old gossipy busybody. Okay? But at this point in her life, if she hasn't yet, she's probably not going to do it. But the one that's under three score years old, he's just saying refuse them because this is probably what's going to happen. It's just more, more than likely they're going to do these things. It's just what, it's what these women do. And what does it say here? says, with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they all not. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. So right there we see how he's, you know, he's just given instruction here, saying, you don't want to mess with this group of women. Okay? You don't want to bring them in like you would this other demographic, because these ones are just in great danger of all kinds of trouble for your church. So don't do it. And I think that just makes sense. This is common sense. This is wisdom. Why? Because there are certain things that you might be high risk. If you are a younger lady who does not have a husband and you do not have children, there are certain sins that you are and the high-risk category for. One of them is being a gossip. Okay, now, I know immediately what you're going to think. Oh, well, married women gossip too. Yes, married women can struggle with these things too. You're right. Yes, they're lower risk, but they can catch that sickness too. They can catch that sin too. But typically, the ones who are able to go from house to house and wander around are ones who just, they've got a lot of time on their hands. And let me tell you something. Having a husband, having children takes up a lot of your time. And if you're a single lady, there are certain things that you are in danger of. You are, it's very likely you're going to fall into these things. And you know, you've got, it's amazing how little people are able to understand about other people's position. All right. Let me just say this too. If you are a single lady, there are going to be some, and nobody's picking on single ladies. Okay. All married ladies were single ladies at one time. But if you are a single lady, there's going to be some things that are easier for you to do than it is for married women with children. And you know one thing we don't do in this church, because we got a lot of moms here, you know, a lot of babies and things, you know, we don't put a lot of pressure on them to go out soul winning. Hey, today is an extremely hot and humid day. We've got pregnant women. I wouldn't want to go out soul winning pregnant. I wouldn't want to do anything pregnant. Right? Yeah. But at the same time, 
You know, when you're when you're young, when you're single, when you don't have these things, okay, when you're not a nursing mom, these things are a lot easier for you to do. And it's amazing how you'll have these young women, they're going to come in and they just have all these expectations from the married women. It's like, are you crazy? You obviously have no idea what it is like to be a wife and a mother. And you're going to put these expectations on. You think they're going to have the energy to do all these things. They're just going to be able to go soloing all day. And they're going to want to hang out with you all day. And talk to you on the phone all day. And just be your best buddy 24-7 going shopping together and just doing all these things. You're crazy. Okay? Married women with kids can't do that stuff. And when they were young and single, maybe they could. But you know what? And then after two, when you're, when you're, when you're a mother and you have, you know, you have a, a husband and children... If you get some opportunity where you don't have kids, you just want to do nothing. You know, because it's just a relief. And, you know, I, I've never been there. I've never been a mother or anything like that. But, you know, uh, I've never had a child. But, you know, it is, you know, harder for the person watching someone suffer than it is for the one suffering. <laughs> you know, these things are difficult. And so since I've had to watch my wife suffer so much with all these things, I know what it's like. And that's why I don't put a lot of pressure on the women in this church. I, I don't do that. And let me tell you something. Some, it, it, you, know, it, you know, Older ladies be nice, but if some young single lady comes in here running her mouth about how hardcore she is and how much more soul she does than you, you know, just pat her on the back and you know, bless your ignorant little heart. <laughs> and don't let them make you feel bad because they have no idea what they're talking about. And understand, though, so when, when you're in that category... You have so much more time to do all these terrible things, to be wandering from house to house, to be tattling. You know, the only people that have ever tattled on me to other preachers are women who don't have husbands, and they've literally tattled on me. And it's happened more than once. You know who the women typically are that are out trolling online and exposing things online? Single women. Why? They're tattlers. They're busybodies. Yeah, I know a married woman. Yes, but it is much more common with the single women. And you know what? When it happens, none of us are surprised. And you know, some of the latest insanity that we've seen, none of us are surprised. You know why? Because here you have an extremely high-risk person, you know, that fits all the categories that this disease of gossip and being an idle, tattling busybody naturally clings to and when they get infected with that we're not surprised you know and, and we're sad we're sorry you know we hoped we could help we hoped we could you know protect them and uh you know help them be able to fight that thing off and be successful but you know what they just it, it's hard rarely do and it takes over and that that happens but you know if you're somebody and you realize hey i'm in that high risk category you know what you might do? You might have enough wisdom to say, I probably shouldn't be on social media. I probably shouldn't do that. I probably, you know, should, you know, find some more productive ways to keep myself busy. You know, I should probably read a few books, you know, about mothering or something. That way, I don't put these unrealistic expectations on married women with kids. You know, that would, be, that would be a wise thing to do. You know, educate yourself, protect yourself because you're high risk. And when we get these things, and we, and we could all get them, okay? A, a married man, did you know a married man is capable of being an idle, paddling busybody? 
And I've known someone that got this disease, you know, that were not in the high-risk category. But I know a lot more women that were in this high-risk category that got it. So understand that. It's a very important thing to get. So um, look at 1 Corinthians 6, 18. So let's look at some high-risk sins for men. So we could, we could talk all day. I, I, could, I could do series for each each person, each group, talk about a lot of different sins. I'm just kind of hitting some highlights, some of the more common things. But 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Jump down to chapter 7, verse 1. Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. One sin that men, young men especially, any, any man struggles with more than women is lust. Okay? Lust is something that men typically struggle with more than women. Fornication is a big challenge. Now, I know what you're thinking. You know, a man can't fornicate unless there's a woman involved too. But understand, the fornication on, on the woman's end is usually due more towards, you know, daddy issues, emotional issues. You know, they're vulnerable. They, uh, you know, they... They lack self-esteem. There's uh, you know, women that just give themselves to guys without any commitment have a whole host of problems. We could preach another sermon about that. And there's a lot of women like that out there today. There's a lot of women with a lot of these issues, and that is why they let guys jump in the sack with them all the time with no commitment at all, with no wedding ring, okay? But with the women, it's not usually a lust issue so much, even though it's possible. But with men, it's often a lust thing. Men struggle with that much more than women, and you've got to be careful with that thing. And that's why it says here, too, you know, in 1 Corinthians 6, you know, the Apostle Paul talked about how it's good to remain single. We talked about that, I think, last week. We were talking about how you know, there's, a, there's a lot of advantages to being single, there's a lot more that you can do that you're capable of doing. You can, you know, you can do the work of the Lord without anything holding you down. You don't have the ball and chain. We were talking about that. You know, there's there's a lot of advantages. But when you are that single man, you are in the high risk category of getting yourself in trouble when it comes to lust, because there's a lot of you know good looking women that you may be physically attracted to who have all of these emotional issues, who have all these daddy issues, who have all this you know, need for you know, some type of affection that you could easily take advantage of. There's a lot of that out there. And so if you struggle with that, a good way to protect yourself from that, just like people want to wear a mask to protect themselves from COVID, the way you can protect yourself from fornication is to get a wife. Okay? And, you know, and sometimes they're hard to find. But, you know, keep looking for one. Pray the Lord helps you find one. And, you know, that's one way, but that's not the only way to avoid fornication. Another way you can avoid fornication, too, is be careful what you're looking at. Be careful what you're watching. A lot of people are getting messed up in the head because of all the junk that they're watching on the television and on the Internet. You know why a lot of guys can't find a woman today is because they can't find a woman that looks like the women that they're watching on the Internet. They think they're going to get a woman that looks like what they're watching on the internet, what they're watching on television, that's going to have a dozen kids for them and continue looking like that woman on the television. 
They think while she's having those dozen kids for him, she's going to be out soloing all the time. Uh, she's going to be calling him Lord. She's going to be doing... I mean, that's, the, that's the thing these guys are thinking. And then they wonder why they can't find a wife. You know what? I'm sorry. You live in a fantasy world. Hey, let me tell you something about fantasy. That's a high-risk thing for guys, too. How many women do you all see out there You know, getting all caught up in Lord of the Rings and Star Wars? I mean, they're out there. Okay, I get it. They're out there. But go to the Comic-Cons and go to things like that, and you're going to have two groups out there. You're going to have a bunch of nasty, weird, basement-dwelling guys. And yes, you have the good-looking women that show up, dressed up like the comic book characters and things like that, because they're the ones with the daddy issues, you know, and they, want, they need that attention from the guys. But understand that this is, this is a problem for guys, isn't it? I mean, when was the last time you heard about a group of females... You know, talking about, you know, watching all the Lord of the Rings movies at once and Star Trek. You know, when you hear hear that with women, it's guys. You know why? Because men typically get caught up in fantasy worlds. And understand, you get caught up in that, you're going to struggle. That's going to cause you to struggle more with lust. You know, the women on the fantasy movies, typically good looking. Okay? Because that's what guys want to fantasize about. And you're in this fantasy world in your mind, and you're looking for this fantasy woman that you're not going to find. And then you sit around and you wonder, you know, why am I struggling? Why can't I get a wife? You have, you are in a dangerous position, and see, you better be careful with that stuff. You better watch out for that type of thing. It's going to mess you up in the head. And we see in Matthew chapter five and verse twenty-seven. We all know this passage, a very familiar one. Which ultimately, this passage is showing that you know we're just all guilty of sin. We're all guilty. While we may not have done some of these things on the outside, we've done them on the inside. And it says, "You have heard it been said of them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery." But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So now, notice too, when the Bible talks about this, when it talks about this type of thing, it's usually talking to men and looking at women. Why? Because Men typically struggle with lusting with the eyes more than women do. Now, are there women out there that struggle with this? I'm sure there are. Of course there are. But you know what? You do the statistics on these things. It's way more, way more men than it is women. This is, and so you need to take those precautions. You need to be ready. Look what it says in Matthew 15, verses 17. Matthew 15, verse 17. It says, Do ye not yet understand that whatsoever entereth into the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. So understand... What we end up getting in our heart, okay, and often what's in our heart is what's in our fantasy world that we're living in in our head. Those things end up are what defile us and what end up hurting us. It's not what goes in. It's not because you ate, you know, pork. It's not because of certain things like that. It's what go, it comes out that defiles. And you need to be care, very careful what you're putting in your head. And a lot of people, too, will use this, too, to justify alcohol. But you know what? The reason alcohol is so bad is because of what people do while under the influence of alcohol and under the influence of drugs. Because, you know, when you take those kind of things, 
what's in your heart is more likely to come out of your body. And that's why those things are bad. This is not a passage to justify that. But understand, though, you know, the, the, there's, there's certain things that are just being shoved out our throats today, you know, when, in society. I mean, the lust of the flesh, the images, they're all over the place out there. And it's dangerous out there. And you better put some safeguards in your place, man. Otherwise, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You need to realize these are high risks. And if you're somebody who's married, okay, you're still capable of getting in big trouble, but you're less likely. You've got some extra protection there. You know, when you have a wife that you're able to enjoy versus someone who's single. And so those of you who are single, you should be even more careful about where you go, what you do, who you're around, what you watch. Everyone should take precautions. Everyone should be careful. But single men, you better be even more careful because you are at a higher risk. So uh, that's for young men. Now let's talk a little bit about the pastor. Okay? Let me just point this out to you. And I'm just putting this out there too. I'm not going to, you know, I, the one I'm going to particularly focus on, I don't think I struggle with this. But at the same time too, I'm in a high-risk category. I'm in a very high-risk category. And so I need, a, I need accountability. I'm just going to let you all know this is something you ought to watch for a pastor. But a few things. Notice in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6, when going through the qualifications of a bishop, he says, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Now, why did it mention that? Because you know what? It is very common for pastors to get lifted up with pride. It is very common. And that's why you don't want a novice. Okay? Now, is it possible for someone who is not a novice to get lifted up with pride? Yes, it is. But it is much more likely for someone who or it's, yeah, it's much more likely for someone who is a novice. You know, I thank God for the difficult years. You know, starting this church for that time when you know it, it was hard to get anybody in the church when nobody paid attention to my preaching online and things like that. It helped keep me humble. It helped show me that I'm not all that in a bag of chips. And I worry sometimes about pastors who just have the immediate success. Because you know what you typically see there? A whole lot of pride and arrogance. A lot of it. You know, and why is that? Why are they being infected with pride so much? They're in that high risk category. And when you're a novice, you are very likely that it, it could happen with an experienced guy too, but it is much more likely with the novice. Pastors often struggle with pride. Have you ever listened to a preacher before and thought, man, that guy seems really arrogant? It was probably because he was really arrogant. Just like if you ever look at somebody, you see them blowing their nose and coughing, you're like, I think that person's probably sick. You know, they have the symptoms of the cold. They have the symptoms of some kind of sickness. And you are probably right. And so most of the time when you see that in a pastor, you're probably right. He's struggling with that. It is a problem that pastors often struggle with. Um, look what it says in 1 Peter 5, 2. It says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, keep that in mind, but of a ready mind, neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples of the flock. Now, why did he have to bring up being lords over God's heritage? I'll tell you why. Because a lot of pastors are power crazy. A lot of pastors, they just, you know, it, it's, a, it's a typical thing where... You know, they just all of a sudden have a lot of people that are listening to them and follow their lead, and it just kind of goes in their head, and they start enjoying telling people what to do. And they start enjoying it a little too much. 
And then they got their magic verse that says the bishops or the elders that rule well. I'm a ruler. You know, and then they just they go crazy with it. And they take it too far. And there are. There's a lot of preachers out there, very power hungry. Very it's it's a it's a danger, it's something pastors often struggle with, just like police officers often struggle with it, don't they? There's a lot of police officers out there. They've got a badge. They've got a gun. And all of a sudden, they start feeling like they're above the law. And instead of enforcing the law, they start just kind of doing whatever they feel like doing and start you know, beating people up and putting knees on necks and all these things they're not supposed to do just because they think they can. They, go, they get on a power trip. That is a common thing. For a police, you know, a police officer is much more likely to struggle struggle with power issues than a janitor. I mean, it makes sense. It's just so we've got to watch out for these things, and a pastor is very likely to struggle with these things. But here's the biggest one that it seems like we, there's a lot of examples of this that you know I've seen in my life, but the Bible mentions a lot, and that is this greedy, a filthy lucre. Let me just tell you this right now. When it comes to a pastor, everyone, let me just give you all this advice right here. And I, and I don't think I struggle with these two things. I, I, I really don't. I don't believe I do. But I'm going to say it because I'm in the high-risk category. So I'm just going to put it out there right now. And I've heard other preachers say this. I don't know if I'll say this exactly right. But when it comes to a lot of pastors, you want to keep one hand on your wallet and another hand on your wife. Because with that power... Often, people, when they get lifted up with power, what do we see? What is it we see the kings always doing in the Bible? They're always getting a bunch of wives. What is it that we see in that gangbanger culture? Multiple women. It's a power thing. And a lot of pastors, they start getting a big church, they start getting a big following, they start getting a big head. And you know what they often do? They take advantage of that and they start getting involved with women in the church and with the money. Those two things almost always go together. You show me a pastor that's an adulterer, I'll show you one that's probably stealing the money. You show me one that's stealing the money, I'll show you one that's probably an adulterer too. Those two things go hand in hand all the time. And let me tell you, when it comes to this money thing, we were warned about it a lot. We saw that in 1 Timothy um, uh, 1 Timothy 3, 3, where he said, um, when he's going through the qualifications of a bishop, he says, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre. We see in Titus, one seven for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. In verse eleven, talking about a group of people who needed to be stopped, people who were preachers, people who uh, were you know, were bad guys, and said whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. You know why a lot of pastors preach the things that they preach for filthy lucre's sake? It brings in the money. That's why they preach it. That's a, mo- that's a motivation. We see this mentioned a lot. We saw in 1 Peter 5, 2, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but for ready mind. Why is it that Peter and Paul, whenever they're talking to pastors, they have to constantly bring up not doing it for filthy lucre's sake? You know why? Because that's something the pastors often struggle with. And you better keep an eye on the pastor when it comes to these things. We see in 1 Samuel 8, 3, his sons, who were judges, they weren't pastors, they were judges in the land, they were in a position of leadership, 
And it says, His sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Every time we see that word lucre in the Bible, it's always, almost always referring to pastors, except for right here, when it's talking about men who are judges, people who are leaders, and whose father happened to be a spiritual leader who was a prophet. In that land, this is a big thing. Judas, the son of Belial, he just happened to be the one who held the bag. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a surprise. And let me tell you something. When it comes to you know being a pastor, when you're overseeing a church, and especially if the church becomes bigger and it starts actually having a lot, you know, a lot of money that's there, there's temptation there because pastors already struggle. Pride is something they often struggle with. Power is something they often struggle with. All things that we were warned about in the Bible. They struggle with those things. And because of that, that temptation is there and they often get themselves in trouble. And that's why, I mean, I've always tried to make sure it is very open and we have very good records for everything we do financially here. So there's just no temptation. I don't even want to be tempted with it. So that's, that's why we do things the way we do them here to just remove the temptation. I don't need that. I don't want to have that problem. I, I'm, in, I'm a high risk. All right? So the way we do some of these things, that's just me wearing my mask, figuratively speaking. Trying to protect myself from these things because it is a danger. And so I want to recognize that. And so just like we've shown greater concern for the most vulnerable when it comes to COVID-19, you better, be, you, know, listen, you better believe when it comes to a pastor, you better keep a close eye on how he handles the money. Every uh, that every if you're going to be a member of any church, you should be concerned about what kind of checks and balances that they have in place, because you know what it's going to really hurt you. And it's going to, remember Eli's sons, how I face how wicked they were, how they were greedy, and you know what else they did? How they laid with the women. Okay, they had those same problems too. These Levites, okay, just just like. They did. They, those men, in the way they misused the things of God, it caused people to sin because people quit doing what they were supposed to do. Because they saw what these guys are doing with everything, and they're like, you know what, I'm done with this. And, and the thing is, if you're giving of your tithes and offerings, and that's a sacrifice, that's a big deal. And then you, just to find out the pastor was wasting it and squandering it, you know what, that's going to make you not want to do those things anymore. It's already hard to do it sometimes. And then you find out all that money that you worked so hard was just squandered and wasted. You know what it's going to cause you to do? It's going to cause you to say, you know what, I'm done doing this. And now you're in sin. And so you need to understand that these things are a danger. And there's nothing wrong with holding a pastor accountable on these things. And just making sure. You don't have to be directly involved. But you ought to check and say, hey, you know, what is... You know, how does the church handle the finances? You know, how, how, what, what do they do with the records? You know, what are the records? You know, is anybody allowed to see the records? You know, do we have any idea what's coming in, what's going out? Do we have any, di- any idea where it's going? You know, is the pastor or church treasurer, is he able to show us? You know, we should probably keep an eye on these things. And a lot of people, oh, well, that's none of your business. That's just, that's just none of your business. You don't need to know. It's just your job to tithe, and it's my job to make sure it goes to the right place. And you just need to trust me. But here's the thing. I am in a very vulnerable position. I am in a high-risk category to get caught up in a dangerous, horrible sin 
that has destroyed a lot of churches and has destroyed a lot of people. And if it would, it's just wise for me to have some protection. And if you're somebody who is in a high-risk category when it comes to COVID-19, you know what? Don't go visiting the hospitals and visiting all the patients that have that disease with no protection around you. That's just foolish. That's dangerous. And so if I recognize I'm in a high-risk position when it comes to these things, I would be a fool not to have some checks and balances in place. And you all would recognize I was a fool if I didn't. Because this is a dangerous thing, and it is a big deal. We ought to have some rules. You know, I, you, you ladies, you shouldn't get offended. You know, if I don't want you stopping in at the church, you know, when I'm here by myself, and you don't have anybody with you, you shouldn't be offended by that. So I don't think you'd do anything. Well, I don't think I would do anything either. But you know what? Do we want the accusations? Because you know what? If anybody accuses me of being a pervert. You guess what? Everyone's going to believe it. You know why everybody's going to believe it? Because it happens all the time. So it would destroy my testimony. It would destroy this church's testimony. So we don't want to have these things. So we're going to have these rules. They're there for a reason. It's for protection. Because sin is a contagious disease that is out there. And you know, I recognize the areas where I am at high risk. And you need to recognize the areas where you are high risk and make sure that you protect themselves. And, I, and we've got a lot more to talk about. I'll just quickly go through a couple more. But, you know, there are high risk sins for those who are saved out of a life of great sin. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 18 says, And these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts, of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. There's a lot of people out there that we get saved all the time, but they're on thorny ground. They've got a lot of junk that's in their lives. They've got a lot of problems. They've got a lot of baggage. And it is very common for people that get saved out of a of difficult life like that, it is very common for them to end up getting choked out by those things. And they don't lose their salvation, but they never bear any fruit. That, that's a very common thing. And that's why, too, as a church, one of the things that we want to try to do, this is why we try to get them into church, so we can start improving the ground in their life. This is why we start preaching on your sins. We're trying to improve the ground in your life. Because we want you to actually bear fruit. We want you to be a productive Christian. But understand, a person who's saved out of that worldly lifestyle, they've got some challenges that are a greater challenge for them than they are for somebody like me. I'm, I'm not going to struggle with alcohol. because Now, I could. It's possible. But when you're almost 40 and you've never touched it, you're very low risk. You're very, it's, I'm very low risk. When it, but some of you in here, because you've been a drunkard in the past maybe, you're higher risk than I am. You've got to be more careful than I do. So we need to recognize these things. You know, if it's drugs, cigarettes, whatever, whatever it was that you struggled with, you know, you are is very likely, you're much more likely to get caught up in that than I am. So you take those extra precautions. And you know what? Let's not be like Americans. And if you're high risk and you need to take extra precautions, that doesn't mean you have to make me take those precautions too. Okay? I, I get that. You protect yourself. You don't have to make me protect you too. I know some people, 
you know, they struggled with alcohol. They won't go anywhere that even sells alcohol. You know what? I respect that. That's fine. God bless them. But, you know, then they want everybody else to have the same rules that they do. Well, I don't know that that's really appropriate. You know, I, don't th I think that sounds kind of American, if you ask me. But at the same time, you know, respect people that have those rules. Listen, I can't go near those places. You know, if I go to the bowling alley, I used to go to the bowling alley and drink all the time. And if I go there and they got that bar in there, I'm, I'm just going to be tempted. You know what? They don't need that. You know what? I don't, I don't blame them if they don't want to go near there. You know what? I, I, I say we support those people. In that, in that situation. There's a lot of examples like that that we could talk about. And so, uh, you know, again, I'm, cap I'm still capable. I still need to be careful. I don't, I don't need to go hanging out at the bar. Okay? But at the same time, you know, I am low risk. You know, I, can, I can walk down the street without a mask and, I'm, I, and feel safe and I will probably be just fine. And there's a lot of other things I can do out there where I might be around sinful things and it's not going to bother me, but for others, it's a real danger. And you need to recognize these things. And so, you know, for uh, another example I had, I won't go through, but children, all right? Children, okay? Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, you know, real simple, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right, Okay? And disobedience, now it seems extremely general, that could cover anything, but the reason obedience is so important is because there's so many things that a child is just not capable of understanding. They have no way of understanding why these things are dangerous, what the consequences are. And so that's why, too, as a parent, you typically just spank them, okay? because they understand pain. And, that, and so it would be foolish for me you know, if you saw Kelly, if I, if I see Kelly with a metal fork trying to stick it into an outlet, it would be foolish for me to just go and set her aside and put her on a chair and say, now listen, Kelly, here's why you can't do that. Okay? There's electricity running through there. And I don't even understand how electricity works. <laughs> but I know if you stick a fork in there, it's going to zap you and it's going to hurt. Okay? Now, I don't even understand electricity. I don't understand how that works. But I know you stick a fork in there, a metal fork, you're probably going to get hurt really bad. And so, but she has no way of knowing that. So you know what you do to a child? You tell them, no, in a rough voice. And if they don't listen, you swat them on the rear end. Why? Because that's all they're capable of understanding. And they are at risk of dying in a million ways because they don't understand death. They don't understand what can happen. So all they need to understand is obey mom and dad. Learn what no means. and it, that, that, Because they are. They're at greater risk. And so, you know, when it comes to a teenager, I should be able to sit down with them and explain to them why they don't stick a fork in a light socket or an outlet. I should be able to explain that to them without spanking them. Okay, you know, if, if I see Tommy after church trying to do that, and, and you see me spank him, I'm like, why? Are you doing, you know, I don't want him doing that anymore. You know, and then you know he, he's just standing there like I have no idea why that was a problem. I stick my fork in food all the time. I stick my fork in all these other places, and I've never gotten spanked for it before. And I do it in outlet, and now we got a problem. You all see how why we handle that different? Okay, because there's different problems, different people. You know, and. So at this point in his life, I have to tell him that. I just, I messed up somewhere. Right? 
<laughs> but, you know, all of us, when listening to preaching, especially when reading our Bible, we need to pay extra attention to the things that are greater dangers to us. You know, I don't pay attention, you know, you know, my wife, she's done some shows on, you know, her gently less sisters on pregnancies and things. You think I'm going to watch that? You think I care what vitamins and supplements you ought to take when you're pregnant? I can't even imagine anything more boring. Okay? Now, why? Because that does not affect me in the least. Not something I need to pay attention to. Not something I care about. And, but you know what? There's a lot of people out there that need that type of thing. There's a lot of people that it can help and it can be a blessing to. But, you know, there's other things I'll pay more attention to. And, and you know, when I'm preaching, there's going to be things I preach about. You know, it doesn't really apply to you that much. You know, you're not in that category. But you know what? Your ears better perk up. You better be paying extra attention when we get to things that affect you. And so how do we protect ourselves? You know, we need to figure out how to protect ourselves from those sins that we are highly susceptible to. And we've all got them. Learn what they are and protect yourself from them because sin is dangerous and has devastating results. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your goodness to us. And dear God, I just pray you help us to learn from these things. Help each Christian in here, Lord, to uh, learn to identify the areas in their life where they are at greater risk. And I pray you'll help them to have the wisdom to put those precautions in their life to make sure uh, that they uh, protect themselves in those areas. And I just pray, Lord, that this, uh, this was a help and encouragement to everyone. In your name we pray. Amen.